You're listening to The Cynic Weekly. If you enjoy our weekly podcast, you might be interested in finding out how to access even more Cynic content. By signing up for a full Cynic subscription at thecynic.co, you'll have access to Celtic-related podcasts throughout the week. For a monthly fee, you get access to a range of podcasts covering your favourite football club. We cover a range of topics from news and current events to the history of the club, analysis of games, player profiles, coverage of the women's team, quizzes and much more. We have our own app or you can download your private RSS link to podcast players. You can also access content via our website so you can listen in the way that works for you. To find out more, visit thecynic.co or email info at thecynic.co. We pride ourselves in being an independent platform. You won't be bothered by any outside advertising or folk trying to sell you stuff and you can cancel your subscription at any time. Thank you so much for listening to and supporting The Cynic. Hello and welcome to the Cynic Weekly on Thursday the 9th of February 2023 as we look ahead to yet again another big week in Celtic uh, for this season as we look ahead to the Scottish Cup fifth round. Uh, we'll talk about that, we'll talk about some other news we've had, we've got plenty of listener questions and thank you for everyone who submitted one. Uh, all great questions uh, that give us lots of different divergent things we can talk about. Um Christopher Sormani, hello, how are you? What's up, hot dog? What? What's that mean? It's my new, uh, it's my new, it's my new phrase when I see someone, I say, what's up, hot dog? Where have you been trialling this new phrase? <laughs> my nephew likes it, he's five. Okay. He's playing the black guy. Um, yeah, he likes it, so what's up, hot dog? Uh, I'd retire that one. Okay. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm going to ignore it, so you can address <laughs> me in uh, a more... Hello, Christopher Sermani. How the hell are you? Ah, terrific. Delighted to be here. Power's flown. Uh, that's it. that's why we do this. <laughs> that's why we do this. Um, Christopher Sermani's here. Of course, we also have uh, Alan Edgar. How are you, Alan? I'm, I'm good. Um, just bringing the energy. Dog. <laughs> hot dog. It's a hot dog. Yeah, no, I didn't expect that. It's good. Um, it's great to have you both here. Alan, you were away for a couple of days. It's nice to recharge and, um, you know... Get some nice countryside views and such. Yeah, I did a lot of walking. Um, a lot of walking, a lot of chatting, a lot of hypothetical Celtic scenarios on the long, long walk. So, no, it was good. Um, it's nice to be off work and chill out a bit. No Celtic game midweek. So, um, yeah, enjoyed it. See, his answers, they, they are all the beauty <laughs> of a generic footballer's <laughs> answer after, a, you know. Um, 3 0 today, Alan. How do you find it? Yeah, uh, it was great. We passed the ball about well. Good to get minutes in the legs. Jumpers for goalposts. Stuff like that. Right. Can I ask you a question about the scenarios? Do you remember any of them? Uh, yeah, just. Um, well, it was quite a lot of them, actually. You know, I'm a big fan of hypothetical scenarios. What would you do if type situation? Love it. Good airport chat, usually, but um, since we were. Really trying hard to do a, a power of walking, four and five hour walks most days. Then it was, what would we do if Kyogo left tomorrow? What would we do if Ange left tomorrow, etc. Um, 
Usually panic was the first answer, but we kind of worked through it thereafter. God. <laughs> Did so. you? Cheery. Really, really great cheery. couple of days. <laughs> so this is why I give these uh, these Aaron Moy style answers and <laughs> reply so that I don't get follow-up questions. Was this with Pamela you did this, eh? Yeah, yeah. Romance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris, you were away as well. You had a nice time. Um, Terrific. Yeah. <laughs> Did you run through? <laughs> Just, do you want to talk about the crush velvet or... <laughs> No. Nice and white satin, no. It's, uh, it's a family podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it there. Uh, but no, it's good. It's good to get away and recharge. And uh, it's good to have you both here for the weekly. Um, got a question straight off the bat uh, from Dave Gallagher. Uh, two questions for the glorious panel. You guys are indeed the glorious panel. Question number one. Well, we win the league before the split. Uh, and there's a second question. Which is, well, we have more league titles than the other lot in the next five years, and then the whole 55 shite goes away. Um, it's quite a bold question. Will we win the league before the, squ- um, before the split? Chris? No, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, we're nine points ahead. Goal difference is increasing. We're ticking along nicely. You know, looking at their performances, when you get to see them, you know, there's commentary around how they're maybe kind of just getting by in some games, winning by the odd goal. I, I'm not going to dismiss the consistency that they've got at the moment. I've got a feeling that, you know, a defeat to us or one defeat might puncture that. But, you know, I, I think there is a level of consistency there that means that we probably won't run away with it to that extent. Um, aye. It sounds a bit, I'd like to say, yes, we'll go and do this and do that. but You I, have to be realistic. Aye, I, I think we'll win it fairly comfortably. Um, before the split would maybe be a wee bit optimistic for me, but, you know, if it happens, I'll take it. Uh, Alan, yourself, what's your kind of thoughts on it? They have, you know, it's been the nine-point gap, and it's been like that, obviously, since Beale came in. Um, nothing's changed much, except they're not scoring as many goals, etc. You know, we can talk about them hopefully folding at some point, but it doesn't necessarily seem to be happening anytime soon. Yeah, I think we would just like it. And <laughs> um, it would be nice for us if... Um, you know, nine points became eighteen points, and and, and then some. But I think the I think the likelihood is it will be post split, and that's to be honest, that's probably similar to Samana. It's just going off. You know, the kind of average output from both teams in the last couple of weeks. They've kept pace with us, and I think that is the important distinction. They are keeping pace with us. It's not. Are you, are you surprised about that? Um, no, not really. To be honest, I, I think you're always going to get an uplift. And I mean, the performances before the World Cup were were really, really. Poor. Um, they looked like they they couldn't put three or four wins on the bounce together. So I think that was always going to come. But I think the excite not exciting thing for us. But I think you know now that they've had the the kind of new manager bounce. If you like, I know that's a bit of a misnomer, but they've had that. So anything that they do, you know, presuming they go into next season with Michael Beale in charge, you know what you're going to be facing. You know what the kind of level and the expectation will be. They'll hope that they improve, but. I think that's good for us. You, you, it's a known quantity. Um, so I, I quite like that element of it. So no, I'd, I'd be quite happy. I mean, I don't think we'll win it before the split. To be honest, I'm still at the stage where I'm just happy if we win it. And <laughs> I'm the same. I, yeah. I couldn't particularly care whether it's eight games to go or one game to go. Um, obviously, one's much more comfortable than the other, but I'm very, very nervous. Just It's funny, it reminds me, um, I had taken a top. My dad, for his 60th, got a signed top. Um 
from quite a few of the squad. Exactly. And uh, I, I didn't sort of just point that out. It was from his work. Um, but I said I'll get it um, framed for him. You know, it sounded like I was taking the credit for it there. As you, if you, I, also, I, you could have. I got a couple of boys to sign it, you know. Um, so I'd taken the top and got around to get it framed and the gap was nine points with a couple extra games to go and um, I took it to the penalty spot and Dennis and I was saying you about a really good shop, good stuff in there. And um, we were getting around to what we put on it and the option, he was saying, look, do you, what do you want on it? Do you want a personal message or what do you want? And I was thinking, ah, just Celtic Squad 2022-23. And then it <laughs> come up, the option, would you like Champions league winners on it? And I was thinking, nah, I can't do it because how... How bad would you feel if, in that horrible scenario, imagine going into the shop and having to get a wee plaque taken off and get something put on? It just feels like I, I'm not a, I'm not a particularly superstitious person, but oh, there is tempting fate. Uh, I mean, there is a on. level. Yeah. Um, so I think it's like the people you see like get tattooed on them, like Champions League winners when they get to the final, etc. So um, I opted just for the Celtic squad 2022 23. Yeah, that guy, remember that Man City fan got the caca? Champions League winner. No, it was, I think it was a caca tattoo. Oh, years did ago, he? Um, which he probably treasures to this day, I'd imagine. Alan, uh, who's your dad's favourite player? Does he have a specific favourite player? Um, I don't know, actually. Um, no, I, I don't know in the current squad who his favourite would be. I think he does like, he's, he's a big mark for a striker, to be honest. So oh, I think he would probably like Kyogo. I'll ask him. I'll find yeah, out. Yeah, find out for us. Uh, the 55 thing, them kind of talking about 55, it's just a lot of shite, isn't it? It's just another just weird target they put up, like, that, that means nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like it was a rallying cry after going bust and coming back. It was, you know, they were on 54 titles, so 54 plus one's 55, so they just made it a thing. So, you know, up until that, I had no idea how many titles they had or how many we had to bit for that matter. Um, so, I mean, if it goes away, you know, there'll be something else or something, you know, it's not, I think it's just, it's a, it annoyed us because, or it certainly annoyed me during that season just because of the way things unfolded. But see, generally speaking, it kind of just washes over you, you know. Fundamentally, you're in the moment of that season much as you said earlier on, I just want us to win the league this season. I don't really care if their rallying cry is going for 56 or anything like that. Focus on ourselves, win the league. Because if that goes away, something else will appear. Um, yeah, that's very true. I, I always, this kind of goes into the mindset of someone who grew up in the 90s when I was a wee guy. Did I, you? Eh? I don't think we've ever mentioned that. No, uh, you did as well, just <laughs> to, to show. That's you. why I said we. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fuck up. <laughs> What's up, hot dog? <laughs> um, it's grown on <laughs> but no see uh, I remember like taking great pride in like when I was a wee guy taking great pride in the fact that Celtic had won more Scottish Cups than anyone else yeah. like it was like that's literally clutch that clutching at straws sort of like uh, just uh, that pride I mean see when we won the 10 and 6s in 92 or 93 <laughs> whenever it was I was buzzing for days so slim pickings back then but yeah I absolutely uh, so we're going to go through a little bit of news we don't have a lot but um, we'll go through some Georges Giacomakis has departed Celtic. He has joined Atlanta. Um, legacy? Does he have a legacy, Alan? Was he here? Was it too short a period to be here? Will you look back at him fondly? What are your thoughts about Gigi leaving? Yeah, I'll look back on him very fondly. I think I'll look at him as a big part of a team that won a league that I probably... Didn't expect him to. Yeah, really didn't expect him to. And he, he more than played his part in that. Um, and... I think the discourse over GG the last couple of days is 
no different to the discourse when he was here. Some people don't think he got a fair crack at it, that he should have got more game time. Some people that he was never good enough. And I just think, I don't know, I think it's maybe very simplistic to say, but see when he put the ball in the back of the net, you'd really never, see when you're in that moment of celebrating, especially some of the late goals he got. I mean, we've been very, very fortunate to, to have a lot of those in, in Angie's time. Granted, most of them in the kind of first 12 months of his time. But when he's putting, when he's sticking that ball in the back of the net, you don't particularly care about how good is he, where's he going to be in 12 months' time. And I think, um, I think probably similar to a lot of players in Angie's period, I think you just have to try and enjoy the good parts when he was here. Look, I think I was quite critical of him and I'm not going to roll back on that. I think he, I think he did a really good job for us, um, but I still think it's good business because I think we need an improvement there. Whether or will be an improvement, I have no idea at this stage. I hope so, but we needed to. We needed a change there. We needed improvement, and look, we've got our money back and then some, and we get use of a striker for a year's period, and we won two trophies in that time, and he more than played his part. So I'll remember him fondly. Um, and in two years' time, will I forget? Will I remember that actually his touch was really bad at times, and sometimes his overall game was well shot, absolutely not, but in 10 years' time, if somebody says, do you remember Giacomacchus, I'll oh, immediately think St. Johnson goals. away, yeah. you know, I'll think him whipping that shirt off, and probably over time, he'll get better and better, so <laughs> that's, that's the nature of it, but I, I think we talked about it when he was linked away initially, if we could get more players like him, that we maybe think we don't become, or certainly I didn't become particularly attached to, but are successful, that mm. would be a real win for us, because we have struggled to recruit recruit players like that that do a job for us but aren't a long-term success um so no i wish him i, I think he'll do well over there and i hope he does get a good move for him so he'll be remembered fondly but i think it's still the right move and we need we need an improvement in that area and it's over to over to all now to see if he you know if he can do that see on the basis of this season where we are right now chris are you you know he was a goal scorer he was a proven goal scorer at this level um, take away all the kind of stuff about how he performed outside of that the guy scored goals he scored mm. important goals he scored goals that contributed to winning titles are you worried that that's obviously not there for the rest of this season because O very much looks like a, a quality player we've not seen enough of him really consistently but you know he'd already scored nine goals this season it's just are you scared as a vacuum or are you just because we are scoring goals out with that I mean the proof in the pudding probably would be that is if Kyogo um, had a spell out of the team because he's flying just now, so it's dead easy to just kind of you know forget yeah. about the contributions that, that that he's that he's made. And I mean, it's a risk. It's a risk when you bring in any other any player to replace another player. You know, varying degrees depending on you know where they come from and what their, their kind of body of work was before they came to the club. But Fundamentally, I would agree with Alan that it's the right decision because as much as he had a knack of scoring goals and I liked him, um, there was real aspects to his game that weren't quite there. They weren't quite good enough. It was never, and we've said consistently on here, for me, if when you've got Kyogo in the form he's got just now, you, you didn't even need to blink. If you were said to pick, who do you want to pick? There wasn't even there wasn't a choice there. Now earlier parts in the season, that was probably a genuine conversation. But even in that conversation, certainly on here, we were saying we probably need potentially need two more 
two different strikers because the quality's not there. I think Kyogo's levels have gone up now where you're thinking, yes, he's, he's back, showing yeah. he's back to where he was and he's showing what he can do consistently. But I never ever thought Jackamakis could get to that level. He was a guy I always liked being in and around the squad. Domestically, I would have no worries Arms, yeah. about him starting most games, to be perfectly honest. Um, but you always you always felt there's something not quite there. And it might end up being that owes a downgrade on him. It, that's entirely possible. I still think it's right to roll the dice and try and get an improvement on him. That's it. Risk's always going to be there in football with transfers. Um, but yeah... I, I would stand by the manager on the decision he's made. No hard feelings, you know. He's contributed farewell, much the same as as Alan said. And you know, you, you're implying, you know, he's gone. He contributed massively, and I mean, the role he's played last. See, when you see where we are just now and where we might potentially go, that was a really real seminal title last year, and his role in that should not be forgotten. And you'll always you'll always that have that in your mind, and probably as well. You know, five years from now, you'll go, oh, what a player he was. <laughs> what a first touch. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not, but you know what I mean. I, th- I think the other thing that you would probably, it's probably worth pointing out for him as well, that he, he had a really difficult start, as in yeah. fitness. That penalty miss against Livingston. Yeah, and but... then when he did come into the team, I mean, he just it just looked really far off it. Um, and I think the other thing as well, he was never a natural fit. And I don't think that's a question. That's not about... That's not a comment on who signed him or, you know, was it an Ange sign? Was it a club sign? I have no idea. What he did do, though, was he did adapt his game and he adapted it without a great deal of, um, you know, there there wasn't any... I I, I think to me, he strikes me as a naturally selfish player and I don't mean that as a criticism. I mean that as a... He looks to me like a very typical striker. He wants to be the main man in the box scoring goals. But actually, when he did get opportunities, whether Kyogo was out of form, injured, he came in and tried to do what Ange wanted him to do, which I don't think is his natural game. Um, and he did it, you know, I, I think he, at times he did it really, really well, especially domestically. So I think you have to kind of credit him for that. They kinda, one of the things I've always thought about him is, see if the team, or this was maybe a, a different manager, or the team weren't as successful, he 100% looked to me the kind of player that would wouldn't be happy and wouldn't be happy being a bit part player. But when the team was so successful, he understood and accepted that you have no option but to just work hard and when your chances come, take them. And he really did. And I think that's the one thing that you probably have to really, when he got his opportunities, he did do as much as he could to take them. And I think any other era, you could you could see it going another way. But because he was so successful, because he's seen the work ethic that was required to get game time, he adapted to that. And he did adapt to it, I think, really well, given his, kind of, his ability and the type of player he is. Absolutely. See, in terms of his attributes at face value, tall guy, well built, you know, there's part of me thinks that certain managers we've had in the past would have tried to have used Jack and Marcus in a completely different way. He, you know, balls into the box, you know, guy holding them up. I think that even though it might not have been natural to him, I think adapting to the way Ange played certainly helped him. Be- helped him. I think 
I might be wrong. I mean, obviously, I it's all speculation. Yeah. But if we had kind of maybe played to what his perceived attributes had been in some, uh, or some other managers, wasn't very good at those attributes. No, it, it wasn't. But you could definitely see. Let's just say it. You could definitely see Lennon getting wingers to put the ball into the box for Jack and Marcus. And for me, it, it, I I don't think he was very good at that, and he wouldn't have been very good at that. What he's um, Best attributes for me was obviously his finishing, a lot of them quite extinctive finishes. And I think a lot of that came from good work that other players did in the team in terms of chances then falling to him. And that suited him and that suited us down to the ground. So again, you list them as a success, but you've seen enough of them and you understand enough to know that, I think I said it last week, he's a replaceable footballer. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But, you know, he's got a good move. And uh, yeah, I hope he does well um, because... uh, he showed some real goal-scoring technique and quality at Celtic, so it'll be interesting to see how he does in the MLS as Do well. Do you still follow him on Instagram? I unfollowed him this morning. You're on a tight ship there. Oh, yes. Very quick. Very quick. As soon as they're gone, um, they are out. Just uh, out. on that, I, I tended to do that too, but do, well, I can't remember. the, 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 the It was a Croatian winger we were linked with at the start of last <laughs> season. and he, I think he followed Celtic and he linked a couple of Celtic tweets. Can't remember his name. You follow him. Someday, I, I recently corrected that follow and I went, well, wait a minute, who is this? That's right. He, he was doing his monthly audit. <laughs> yeah. So, unfollowed. I, I wish I could remember his name. I'm sure someday out there will. And um, save me looking it up, you know, just text yeah. in. Yeah. Barry's, Barry's tweeters. Tweeters are twitching <laughs> right now. He's thinking, somebody's asked a question about Celtic somewhere. Yeah. Um, but, but, but if it doesn't come straight from Barry's head and he Googles it, I'll know. Oh, oh, yeah. um, just a couple of quotes from uh, Awata. Um, he's talking about accepting, um, you know, the fact that Cal McGregor's on a different level. Um, and just uh, it was it was an interview he did with a, a publication back home in Japan. I knew if I wanted to play in European football, I would have to play as a holding midfielder. That's where the manager used me at Yokohama. It's been about a month since I came here, but the speed and intensity of play is different from Japan, and even the ball and pitches are all different. The reality is I can't do as well as I did in Japan because we have Kyogo. Sorry, the reality is I can't do as well as I did in Japan because we have Kyogo Furuhashi, Daisimaida, and Ryuha Hatate who all start games and they all have something special that they can do, and I don't. So I want to gradually get used to it, and sounds good. That's why I had—I literally had to relook. Like, okay, so I want to gradually get used to it and play more matches. My strengths as a holding midfielder are tackling and breaking up moves. But in this Celtic team, you need to have something extra. Here we have players who can create the tempo of an attack and distribute passes. For example, Cal McGregor. McGregor is the heart of the team and the captain. I think the bar is set very high for me to be able to compete with him. But I have my own, my own way of developing. Even if I don't play in as many games, there are things I can learn from him in training. That's great. When I see how he passes the ball or how he makes a change of tempo, he's very consistent. That change of tempo, we were talking about that last week. Mm. Tremendous. He is very consistent, which is something I, I lack. <laughs> I'm, w- I'm wildly out of form and then I'm, and then I'm really good. <laughs> this is like the worst promo I've ever seen. Um, I think it's imp- important to learn that in a short time and evolve into a player who can do something when he has a ball. A large part of, m- um, of my motivation to sign for Celtic was to play in the Champions League and I would love to do that next season. I'll keep fighting to prove my game here. Obviously, <laughs> I'd love to play in the Champions League, but we'll get humped if I do, man. <laughs> Honestly, in the space of about 30 seconds, I've went from absolutely buzzing and excited about that guy to... Basically writing them off. Give James McCarthy a year's extension <laughs> on the basis of that, please. Just to mend my potential yep. starting 11 yes. for Saturday. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, there's a certain level of uh, honesty to that. Um, you don't want to come in and just be like, I, I can get the team ahead of There's account. maybe a bit of hashtag stay humble about that, you know, yeah. which is fair enough. Aye. Um, we, we've got some questions in regard to players getting opportunities, which <coughs> excuse me, which we'll get to um, just when we're looking at this in mid-in game. But um, what's your kind of thoughts on Iwata? We've really not seen that much of him. Is there a... That number six taking over from Callum is really, really tough, Alan. Yeah, I think for any player that signs, he has the. If you're signed as a potential, either replacement, um, alternative option, or partner for Callum McGregor, you have got the hardest job. Um, and I don't think anyone will find it more difficult than Awata to get meaningful game time in this team. And I think as well, just he'll find it extremely difficult now over the next five months um, or four months. Sorry. Um, it's not the first half of the season, there's not as many games, every game matters, and any kind of potential options for weakened teams are lessened week on week, and probably the last remaining potential one, if you really wanted to be you know, really generous about it, would be Saturday, and it, it might be a bit too soon, and I mean, it's not a meaningless game in any way, shape or form, Absolutely. it's a very difficult game, and it's a very important game, so it will be difficult, and I think patience will be required. I think that's maybe what some of the quotes are touching on. Yeah. I think it's it's quite plausible that you'll see Awata for less than 120 minutes between now and the end of the season. Really? Where where do we see game time for him? Unless that league title is wrapped up very early. You have got one game left, which is a final in the League Cup. Scottish Cup games are Scottish Cup games and it's, you're yeah, getting, that, you know, yeah. if you get through on Saturday, you're through at the quarterfinals and then the league is the league and I, I don't see Ange... Even if the title was wrapped up early, I don't see him making sweeping changes. Now, if he doesn't bring him in and, you know, there's three, four games to go to the end of the season, if he doesn't give him game time in that, I would take that as an indicator. But if that title goes down and there's only two or three games left, one of them's trophy day, you don't, you know, you don't mess about with the team in trophy day. Managers don't do that. And I think it, it will be difficult. So I think patience will be required. So I wonder if maybe he, he is aware of that. Maybe he has had that discussion that, um, we sat down with the manager after a couple of weeks in training just to get a feel for where he's at and he maybe feels that he needs to develop and work. So I do think there's maybe a bit of, a, as Savani says, they kind of stay humble. I think the, the players that have come over from Japan um, have confidence in their ability, but they're immensely respectful to the players that are here before them. And when you're trying to compete with the captain, Callum McGregor, who everybody, every single player picks him out as the best trainer and the hardest worker in the team, it is going to be difficult. So yeah, I think that's maybe just urging a little bit of patience there, but you know, the glimpses we've seen from him, he was a superstar in the J-League, um, a very, very talented player, and he, he is good with the ball. Um, and the glimpses that we've seen of him, he's been very comfortable, um, and they have only been glimpses, but he has got the most difficult job. So I think it is maybe just urging a little bit of patience, and I do, I, th- I think it'll be, you'll see very little of him between now and end of the season, I think. Um, it makes it very, very clear that he's a defensive midfielder. Uh, he's a holding midfielder. Um, and, you know, like Alan's kind of covered all the, the kind of main points, Chris. But, you know, this is a guy we've got on loan. Uh, you know, we, we, t- we talked about... He's, we? he's still on loan. I, he's, he's, I think it's one of those... It was exactly the same as Maeda deal. Right. So it's one of those where you have him on loan and then the deal's already kind of in place if you want to kind of execute it. Mm. Um, but it's just it's one of those where, you know get to that point and he's if he has only played 120 minutes is it a case of and you'll make that decision of whether he thinks he's good enough on how he trains or yeah I would yeah I mean he's obviously brought him into the club 
off the back of the season he's had in Japan and, and obviously the knowledge he's got of the league and, and um, identified him, you know. Well, he was the player of the year, wasn't he, in Japan, Japan last yeah. year? So if even if we do see him rev- relatively infrequently, the manager will be looking at him out with that because, it, you know, in terms of whether or not we make that signing permanent. I mean, you know, there was rumours of Adeguchi, obviously, being homesick or maybe not settling in the country and things like that you know that all that's a potential as well you know uh, not just for Japanese players anybody coming from any foreign country to Scotland is in for a potential uh, culture shock so <laughs> it's not it, that's not without the realms of possibility so I suppose if we've got them in loan I, I don't think the only factor would be if, if we only see him a handful of times between now and the end of the season that that necessarily means we're not going to take that option up you know, manager's a smart man. He knows what he's doing and he knows what he's looking for. He'll kind of combine everything in terms of where he is uh, and, and, and decide and take that forward. One of the other things as well is we've got the six-month period between, you know, January and the end of the season. He'll The manager will also be mindful of any changes in the squad that might happen next season. There might be more of an opening in the squad if, yeah. say, for instance, Turnbull moves on or O'Reilly moves on or, 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 or what have you. So it's... I'm not sure I 100% agree that we won't see him. I, I know what you mean by where's the game time, but with the five substitutes and the you know the fact that the manager always uses them, I think you, we might start to see him a wee bit more. But if we don't, I don't think that necessarily means it's not worked out. So we'll just kind of need to wait and see. Yeah, um, ha- you know, I was highlighting the fact that he made it clear that he was a defensive midfielder, hold midfielder. Idiguchi went back on loan to uh, a club in Japan. Um, he was someone who... There was talk about his versatility. He could play in the eight, he could play in the six. Um, get a feel for him. Like he just didn't get an opportunity or maybe maybe just wasn't good enough. But, you know, especially with the kind of injury and stuff, um, you'd expect him to make that loan probably permanent now. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, I think there is more than just his ability that at play. Um, and like if you plucked any of the Scottish Celtic boys out of... The Celt- out of Lennox Town and dropped him over at Vassell Kobe. I would imagine it would be a very, very tough adjustment. Mm. Um, and there would be really complex issues that affect your ability to do what you do really well. Um, and I think Adeguchi, he's had that kind of history of that before. And then he had a really horrendous start here um, with that really, diff- really, really bad tackle. And then injuries have largely followed thereafter. Um, so yeah, I do feel for him, but well, that's the nature of it. I, I, I did say I think if he did go back to Japan on loan, it probably would be an indicator that maybe his, his kind of options in Europe would be extremely limited going forward. So I think you're hoping that that is a successful loan spell, and whether it be the side he's joined or another, um, you know, Japanese side. Ideally, you would be looking to try and you know get him off the books, but you know it's unfortunate that these things happen. It's just the nature of the game. I remember Stephen Tweed used to play for I think it was Hibs and he went to mm-hmm. Japan he had a really really good career I remember seeing a, a BBC documentary about like it was just following him over there and he was talking about obviously all the differences uh, in culture and all that and that's kind of one thing that sometimes we, we really don't like him uh, sorry uh, Iwata talking about everything's different the ball's different the pitches are different mm. I'm pretty sure Darren Jackson had a brief spell in China and he did that's right yeah he was a bit surprised that you know the the food wasn't the same as the Chinese <laughs> Chinese food here. So, I mean... I don't is, understand. Is it different? <laughs> well, as daft as that sounds, Alan and Darren, <laughs> um, you know, you might you might have 
players will move to other countries with an idea of what it's like in their head, you know, rightly or wrongly, <laughs> educated or, you know, uneducated in terms of what they're expecting. When you turn up, something the, the impact on you, you could be absolutely huge. And, um, you know, obviously, when if we're t- touching on Adeguchi, he had come over with uh, an, another, uh, a number of other uh, Japanese players, but even that doesn't mean, you know, it, players, it doesn't mean that, you know, you're, you're going to have, because you've got, like, that camaraderie or potential camaraderie, which you've seen with, was it Maeda and Hitati, or was it? I can't remember. Maeda um, and Juranovic? <laughs> For wee pals, but yeah. oh no no when they were in the oh when they were doing the thing yeah aye the Hatati and Jota in the bathtub no oh Jesus in the that's bathtub just what you... remember the picture after we won the league oh, yeah he's what Chris Murray's was talking about is like the game, soft sorry. play thing where aye they, they were oh, in the like... Brayhead or something like aye, that was, yeah. was kind of like that except they were in a bathtub yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't recall this I don't either Alan remember after we got the we won at Ibrox last year there was a picture of. Hatati and Jota in the bathtub. I do. I was just having a bit of fun now. Lighten up for fun. You want me to show you my lock screen and you can see it? <laughs> anyway, new cultures. Sorry. Difficult to settle. <laughs> Remember, was it Ian Rush who said when he was in Italy, he's like living in a different country? Uh, that's <laughs> right. Well, we better get moving here, Liz. I'm meeting Dan okay, Jackson at the China House at nine o'clock. So. <laughs> uh, we've got a question from Ross Bain. Um, a, and it kind of brings us into the kind of final news point of, of the week. Uh, Ross asks, with all the hopefully rubbish links to Leeds for Ange Postacoglu, how much is the succession planning a worry for you? There's no doubt our team is now built specifically for Ange Ball, and with them seemingly being the chief scout too, what happens when the inevitable happens? Well, have we learned from our mistakes with Lennon, and should the director of football position be something that we start looking at again sooner rather than later? Uh, good question, uh, Ross. I mean, there's, there's absolutely no doubt that Ange Postacoglu will move on. Um it's not going to be this season, is it, Chris? I don't know, but Ross, see when you said director of football at the end, that just reminds me of the long, torturous <laughs> conversations we had in Lennon's last season because you would have your head in your hands talking about the football and then you would go, but we need to get a director of football model and it just uh, it yeah. brings up traumatic, traumatic visions from then. I mean, let's go back to when the manager was appointed and the outrage um, of... Of his appointment, some of that was from the support was because it was an unknown quantity, but a large part of it was because we don't trust the board. Yeah, the board just basically, you know, were led down the lane by Eddie Howe and then pulled Ange out, and they got spectacularly lucky in yeah. terms of his ability and in terms of his knowledge of different markets in terms of players to bring in. None of that's changed. None of that's changed. If we're being perfectly honest. Well, unless things have gone on behind the scenes that we don't know about. So, yeah, that's... don't really want to think about it the now, though, because <laughs> we're nine points clear and we're doing well. I think when the manager is looking to go, I think he'll start to let you know that. And I think, so far, if he wants to sign in, he gets a sign in. Now, part of that's because of the markets he's shopping in and the transfer fees and the wages that are kind of linked to that. It's different from Rogers when he was demanding we were signing nine million pound fullbacks and things like that. So, for me, the, he he seems as if he's happy with the setup of the club. When his ambition or his desire changes or something like that, I think he'll start to let you know that. I'm not too concerned with random jobs coming up. You know, like the Everton job was there; he was linked there. The Leeds jobs now, he's been linked with Aaron and people are making comparisons between him and Bielsa and, you know, all that, stuff, all, yeah. all, all that sort of stuff. I don't worry too much about it. I think I'll start to worry about 
the manager going when he starts to indicate that and that being a possibility. I don't think that would happen during a season, during a league season, but I think, you know, I think you'd said it, Alan, and I think we've noted that it gets far more candid when a league season's over, you know, in terms of talking about what he was thinking at certain points of the season. I think you might get some more candid quotes or thoughts at the end of the season, maybe at the end of the season, you know, when he's, you know, if, if folk are interviewing him in terms of where his ambitions lie and how long he sees himself at the club. But right now, rightly or wrongly, maybe I'm being daft. I don't see any of that worrying me at this juncture in the season. For me, I don't think he would, he would, he would do that. Famous last words, touch wood. Yeah, I mean that's the thing with me. Like, obviously, he is going to move in at some point, and that that is absolutely fine. I just if he does it in a similar vein to Rogers. Just kind of like an April March time, I just will not be happy at all. Alan, what's your take? You'll be miffed. <laughs> I'll be slightly miffed, and I walk up to him and I'll say, "What's up, hot dog?" <laughs> the, the ultimate. <laughs> He'll know he's in border then. The ultimate <laughs> slagging. Security will step in. Oh, aye, that's the that's the cue. Um, yeah, I, I think somebody's spot on with. Look, I don't think. I hope that you do get those cues, and I think if, if anything, I can only speak for myself here, but I would hope that I'm more and aligned or alert to those cues than I was the last time this roll round because... You get hit really oh, badly. You get hit like a 100% because I've never seen it coming. Um, there's a scorned um, scorned lover. But I hope that's the case. I, I really don't... I don't think about it because I think um, like Ross is, is fairly accurate. The team is built for his system. I'm less worried about that because I think good players are, are talented players and I don't doubt there's loads of managers over Europe that would want to work with them. It's about making that right appointment then. And I think that's what you've seen with teams down south. Sometimes successfully, sometimes not. They try and appoint a manager that will maybe be able to work with the kind of large core of players that are there. Yeah. Um, These players can, like, evolve and change and, like... Um, yeah, of course. They're, so they're talented players. And, you know, I, I think if you appoint a, a coach that wants to try and do some of the same things, then you could get the same success out of the players. I think... Um, I don't think the club has changed fundamentally a great deal from four years ago or even three years ago. And I, I think I've said that a few times and I don't think anything has changed under Ange that couldn't be done undone overnight. So, Do you think they'll be thinking about succession plan even if it is like for five years in the future or three years or whatever? I think as a business they will. I, I don't think they'll be thinking about a manager. If I'm, but that I'm way on the outside looking in. I, I don't know. I think as a business, they'll think about how to protect themselves, how to not run up a big wage bill that if fans was to leave, that they would be saddled with if they didn't get Champions League football. We plan for all those things and we're very risk averse. I, I don't. If you were to speak to the the board at the moment, I don't think they would have a potential managerial target in mind, which is which is fine because the, the market could be entirely different. Six months, twelve months, eighteen months. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think much has changed beyond that. I, I'm. I don't have a great deal of faith in the the board. Um, they, they do some things very well and other things they don't do very well. And I think we are, and I, I am very bad for it when the club are doing well in the park. I, I do tend to switch off to those things. And yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, if we didn't take we didn't take better action when the club was last in a mess. Um, I remember being down there after the Ross County game, and a lot of people were angry. The people that were down there were, were vilified by both the club and a lot of the fan base. So I don't think, um, you know, I, I don't think there would be any big spell for change. Unfortunately, at this point in time, maybe other people that are more informed and more on the front lines of that could advise. But I, I, I don't, um, I don't have a lot of faith. So 
hopefully Ange sticks about a bit longer and we can just stay happy for another two, three years. And I think the big route to keep them, if I'm being honest, is to make better inroads in Europe this year. I think if you do that, you could genuinely keep them for four or five years. I think if you'd make zero progress next year, and obviously he would have his part in that. It's not a case of yeah, the yeah. players need to do better. If he makes inroads and feels like actually this club could properly do have something. a run at something, I think I, I, I don't see why he wouldn't stick here for longer. If he doesn't, if he doesn't feel like he can make that leap, and managers have kind of got to that point previously, yeah, I think he will think you know, Deja Matt, I'll take a crack at the Premier League. Um, but we'll see what happens. Hopefully, we do make those inroads. Yeah, I mean, I think there's still enough. Certainly, in the European front, that's got to challenge him in terms of what he, you know, what he wants to do. Because now, in terms of what he's done just now and what he's, where he's standing is, I wouldn't, you know, he's, he's been linked with Leeds, right? Certain managers in Scotland who've had success wouldn't be linked with Premier League jobs just because of the nature of of, of their style or, or or whatever or anything like that. So I don't dismiss the links, but I still think there's enough here. I don't think that he looks and says the pinnacle of football is managing in the Premier League. The Premier League is probably the strongest league in the world if we're talking about that, but there is still a lack of glamour in some of the games that you've got there, you know. Obviously there's more money in it. I still think then that might attract him eventually, but European football is still something that he can't get with a lot of teams there. He would have to build up for that. It's something he said one crack at. He will want to do that. The Champions Leagues, especially, that's the pinnacle, you know, of, of world football, if we're being honest. It, that lure is going to be there for him. Um, and I think, see, if he doesn't make inroads in there, that's going to then have an impact on potentially he, he where, he, where he moves on to. But he seems to me like a, a man who enjoys the challenge. So, as you said, he's got a part to play in this. Right now, we're as good for him as he is for us. And that will continue for a period of time. It might get to the point whereby, you know, that's not the case any longer. And I think that might be when you see him look to move on. I think that, that I agree with that. And I think that's why, I, I, if I was to pick, I think you'll see him next year at Celtic. I do. I'm quite confident of that. But I'm very wary of saying that because, as I mentioned, <laughs> not but three minutes ago, I was entirely blindsided the last time. I think the the slight thing that might peak bigger interest in him is that clubs in England now are starting to recruit managers a little bit differently. They're, they're not necessarily, or certainly the more organised ones are, they're not going down the route now of like Carly Ancelotti. He's won absolutely everything. Get him in, get him in for 18 months and we'll do it. They are now being slightly more ambitious with Newcastle, their appointments. Newcastle getting Eddie Howe in when they probably could have burst the bank for someone else, for example. Chelsea going for Graham Potter. Mm-hmm. And I think the success of almost um, more... I don't know theoretical managers managers like you know look at the success of Deserbi for example I think they are looking at it and think we need someone to come in and give us a big idea and Ange is a a big idea manager Um, you know so I I think there is a slight shift in how teams recruit but hopefully um, hopefully there's nothing too interesting over the next six months that will will lure him away I I think I would be extremely disappointed if Ange Postecoglou left Celtic for any English team this year and I think to be honest it really wouldn't matter who it is I think I would think you, you've left before you really seen well, well, that's what, what the club are capable of under, it, under you know the players he's brought in you know potentially automatic Champions League football that's a huge win and taking a pass up that opportunity I'd be extremely disappointed and, and as I say I, I don't think I don't think I'd do it and the, the key factor and the difference between him and Rodgers unless there's something that we don't know is he doesn't there doesn't seem to be that friction between him and the board 
specifically around transfer targets I'm yeah. talking about here. Because that was very much a bugbear of Rogers. I think it played into his ego that he was a big time manager, so he should have got big time dosh to spend on players. I think Andrews came here, he's realised the parameters within which he's, he's working. Them, yeah. It's better than where he was working previously. He's also got a knowledge and an understanding of where he can go and get value for money. He's not a guy who's come in, you know, steeped in British football where he thinks that he needs to get the majority of his players from Scotland or England. Well, very possibly they're going to be significantly overpriced. So it's a good fit just now. That's a good fit. That friction isn't there. If that starts to come or, you know, going forward, that might be a problem. But right now that just seems... I mean... You don't know, but he spoke very well in the few times he's spoken about the people in the, 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 the boardroom, so that's that's positive. The next item on the news agenda is Celtic linked with um, 7 to 9 million Belgian right-back. Um, <laughs> board, board not keen on um, releasing funds, so uh, maybe that might be the break. What a point. That exactly. Um, always Belgian, always Belgian. He's also, like, just before we move on, just quickly on Ange, he's also smart enough to realise that, you know, why would you go to Everton when they've had eight managers in the last, what, Eight years, nine years, like yeah. But uh, I mean, he believes in him. I, I know I, he I believes in himself, but also I think it needs to be the right club at the right time under the right structure. I really do because I think if he just jumps in two footed like Gerard did with Aston Villa, you know, but I'm yeah. not comparing him with Gerard. Nice, nice. yeah, two footed. Um, but it's it's just I think Ange is very very smart, and I think that I think he'll look at every parameter of the job opportunity as opposed to I can move to a you know, top 10 English team. So, yeah, well, let's hope it stays that way. Uh, Talked himself out of that towards the end, didn't Aye, didn't he? Mean, <laughs> aye, totally. Uh, we're, 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 before we talk about the St. Johnson game, I just want the weekly point that we've kind of raised, um, because we've got a few questions about it. Um, the Super League has raised its head again. Um, will it continue to back until there is change? Uh, question from Googs. With talk of a Super League floating again with an increased number of teams and speculation clubs have already been tapped up, do the panel think Celtic are one of the 50 clubs already spoken to? So the, the parameters that they've set out is it's going to be 80 clubs, but apparently they've spoke to 50 clubs. And do we think it's something we would entertain? Um, I'll just read that a couple of bits. I'm not going to spend too much longer on this. Um, so the European League, the pillars of a reimagined Super League would include a commitment to open competition. So it's not a closed up, it's not a closed shop with no guaranteed permanent members. There would be an expansion from the original 16 elite clubs to 62. That just sounds fucking, it sounds like they've just, right, what did they not like last time? How can we change this? Um, From 16 elite clubs to 60 to 80, all still playing under domestic league. A divisional structure would be implemented, meaning promotion and relegation. The ESL would commit to investing in and growing the women's game and there would be guaranteed 400 million annually in solidarity payments to clubs outside the ESL and the grassroots. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's, this this isn't going to go away. Um, UEFA have got obviously a monopoly on European football because they are the governing body. Um, a lot of people really dislike. It's almost like a lot of people seem to have this idea of better the devil you know. Um, but instead of looking at UEFA and saying this isn't working because um, I don't think it's working, and you know the rich are getting richer and the poor are kind of getting left behind. Alan, what's your take on it? Yeah, I think um, I wrote down just when you said there commitment to open competition. I think that if you need to specify that and you need to say that, that is a huge red flag for me. Yeah. Um, and I. I think there there is a need for restructuring in European football. I don't 
believe that there's any fundamental change though and that the aim of this is to you know solidify the elite level clubs in Europe which I think they're doing pretty well just now but I I do feel that this is an attempt to grab more cash um, and funnel it away from the wider game when you're talking about immediately look 400 million solid solidarity payments that sounds exceptional that would do nothing to develop the game in Europe that's 400 million pounds across how many leagues that would be that would be very very little for each club um, and would mean nothing and then highlights the amount of money that is there and that they want to kind of try and keep so well, there's there's different elements to this there's that element that I despise and I hate and I really don't think that this is the way forward and restructuring needs to be in a more egalitarian basis as opposed to trying to just shift it around a little um, which I think is fundamentally what this would do but there is also the Celtic element of it that I think they should you probably want to sit out at the moment and just keep your powder dry Yeah. Um, I don't think this is going to go anywhere in the meantime I understand that there's a court case um, and kind of UEFA's um, kind of power um, over, yeah. over the game is kind of in dispute. And then once that has been clarified, you'll maybe have an idea whether there, there should be legitimate contenders um, because UEFA is, does have a monopoly over football in Europe. So I think probably for the meantime, Celtic will want to understand what is out there, what the alternative is. Do you want to be in that or do you want to be out of that because being out of it would potentially be uh, be quite grave um, but they probably don't you really don't want to be in on it and you don't want to be one of the clubs that puts your name to it at the moment because it is toxic it is just a horrible attempt to solidify all they've done now is try and rally more members and we are probably one of the prime ones that it would look at and say right okay so it's not going to be a 14 team Super League let's Let's make it eighty, and let's try and. <laughs> That's mental. But I, I, I think this is what it will be. It will try and be to get a bigger support for it, a bigger groundswell mm. of powerful clubs, clubs who were. And I, I don't mean to sound, but clubs that were once great that maybe think we should be a great team again, exactly like us. That might think, oh great, we're invited now. Suddenly that changes it. I think um, I, I really do think it should be treated with the disdain that it had initially when it was brought through. They've just been away, regrouped and tried to come up with a more palatable idea that will fundamentally be the same and all we would be, I would imagine, in this scenario is just another one to make up the numbers, fill the grounds, but ultimately you guarantee we would not be getting anywhere near the same money as your Real Madrid's Barcelona as the teams that were originally involved in it. So keep out of it for the moment. We don't need to say anything, but I have no interest in it and I imagine it's fundamentally the same idea it was a year ago or whenever it was. Chris, just on Googs' question, do you think we've been approached and how do you think our board would uh, react to an, an actual invitation? I know Alan's saying keep your powder, powder dry, but if it did get to that point where we were invited, do you think what, what do you think they would do? I mean, <clears throat> I think certain members of the board love the idea that we are a mover and shaker in European football love getting our belly tickled a little bit in terms of thinking that we're in and amongst the big boys. Let's be perfectly honest, if the Super League ever happens, and it might, you know, I think there's a good chance it will, it's to solidify more money to the bigger teams. That's why teams like Juventus, Barcelona, Real, Real, other teams were so keen for this to go ahead because, well, one, it's difficult for them to keep pace with the English League and two, they're wildly overspent. I mean, you look at what's happening with 
Juventus. Um, we've seen that's happening with Barcelona in terms of their transfer. <laughs> Even with the the funds in the Premier League, you can see what's happening with Man City. This is that's added on extras, and you're exactly right when you say Alan that if they're trying to scoop up a bigger load of clubs into it, that's to bring wider consensus uh, to the table. Um, but fundamentally, you know, I, I don't care what add-ons they put into it. This is just to draw far bigger money to the bigger clubs to the detriment of the rest of the game. So it's not going to go away. I mean, it's the direction, I think it's the direction of travel in European football. How that f- plays out and what happens from there on in, I don't know. But football is a business now. It's wholly embedded in capitalism and I don't think that's going to change. I mean, people have talked or maybe wishful thinking, talking about the Premiership going bust with the size of wages and things like that. for a long, long time. They have. You know, there's always going to be this groundswell of money that's in football. This is just an attempt to redirect it somewhere else. But it talks. It's Football from even when we were kids has unbelievably changed um, in terms of um, you know finance and all that sort of stuff. It's a different game. That whole community aspect of it, where it came from, has kind of disappeared. It's been wiped out. This is probably just the next stage of it. Don't like it. It's rotten to the core. Where our place in it is something that um, I'm going to kick into the long grass to a later day because I think it, would, it wouldn't sit well with me if we're involved in something like that. Yeah. Um, we can move on. Any other final points on that? Because I know it's going to come up. It might maybe just come up now and then over the next couple of years as you're right Chris I think it's probably the direction of travel as well but Super League it's going to be Super Chris I've changed my mind <laughs> when I put this voice on I'm getting right behind it just like in that voice it's good it's a good voice it's just it does just sound like any as a man is talking there it does just sound like any other business that floats an idea doesn't work so then it goes away and comes back with a slightly better packaged version of it that's exactly what that's this is that's exactly what it the is the only yeah phrase that I feel was missing from it was just them saying trickle down economics like genuinely you know solidarity payments money for the women's game I always just like here's little nice things that can make it seem better that we're taking more money and we'll just keep it oh it's open competition as well don't worry about that you've got the chance to win it no, no problem it's, it's always like see when somebody says that oh, it's weird I wasn't even thinking that but you've said it so it's like oh no it definitely is like open it's not really open <laughs> It's not rigged. No. <laughs> Don't be daft. Cool. Um, but yeah, a couple of que- we got a couple of questions from... Yeah, um, just on that, sorry. Sorry. I know we've... I, I like to think that we've both made some good points there. See if Rangers didn't get invited. <laughs> Game changer. <laughs> Pathetic. <laughs> I love it. Your morals out the window. 100%. Wing. <laughs> Wing. Um, a question from Troy and I get a question from uh, Jambo Roy as well. Um, we'll pick them up on the weekend update tomorrow. Um the weekend update is part of the cynic.co subscription uh, podcasts every single day covering all aspects of celtic uh, news features previews reactions we react to every single game um, check it out at the cynic.co um before we move on to the st Mirren game uh, chris we've not had your we talked on the agenda on monday myself alan and kieran devlin about the st johnson game mm. uh, kind of brief thoughts on it uh, good a really good performance i don't think st johnston were particularly poor in fact there was some spells and the particularly in the first half I thought where they they played well in between the goals. Um it was one of those games where I think the real real quality shone through. I mean obviously we took we can talk about the pass from Jota and Moyes finish, you know, and that was the pick of the bunch for me. But it it, it just it was a game that 
you know, the real quality of some of our quality players shone through in terms of, you know, Perth, when we go and play against St Johnson, it's a ground that is normally fairly kind to us, but we struggled there in this, earlier on in the season. This was a game where it was it just seemed as if we've moved on a level from there. St Johnston set up well and got himself back into the game, but even at that point, as much as you were a wee bit uneasy about it, very quickly we came back, we scored that third goal, and then from there on, and for me, we were just in complete control. It's one of those ones where I think we mentioned it last week, you're really hesitant to say, oh, really confident getting into this game. You always kind of caveat it with a potential slip-up. But that was a perfect example of what, what happened is a perfect example of what I'm expecting to happen in the games that we are getting into just now. So it was really pleasing to see some really um, quality moments. And that, that goal from Jota and Moy was just a, a joy to watch. Um, and as I said, St Johnston, I don't think they were particularly bad. And I think that's... One of the, the important things just now, we're putting teams away, but we're putting we're not putting teams away and they're capitulating and they're falling to pieces. I just think they're unable to cope with us, and that's what's really pleasing for me. Couldn't agree more. Um, we did a reaction to the St. Johnson game, which is available, as I say, as part of the cynic.co. We react to every single game. That's about an hour. Um, and then we talked about it on the agenda where we broke you know different aspects of the game down so if you are interested to find out different points of view about that game um you can sign up cynic.co uh celtic take on st mirren uh, on saturday half five kickoff um uh, before we kind of like look into the game we've got a question from kenny uh, and it kind of ties into what we were saying earlier about awata how much of a concern is the lack of game time for certain players due to there only being one game per week Trying to keep everyone match fit seems to be difficult and it's a worry with the cup final coming up. Obviously the cup final against Rangers is the last uh, weekend of the year. It's <laughs> last weekend of the year is a really weird way of describing that. It's the it's, uh, it's, it's a wrong way of describing it. It's the um no, it's it's the last weekend of the year, Jesus. Yeah, it's the twenty sixth of um February. It's another way to put it. Yeah. Um just by saying the date, yeah, yeah. I agreed. Yeah. Um Alan, that is one that's the kind of is that Andrew's biggest challenge in regards to, obviously, winning games, but in regards to keeping the squad happy and ticking over and keeping people match fit? Um, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think it is, a, it is a challenge. It's a challenge for him, but it's mainly a challenge for the players that find a game time limited because they've got to do something in that time. As you said, we, we did talk Monday a lot, and, and Kieran mentioned that Andrew values yeah. um, match fitness quite highly um, to the extent that he, he does rotate very significantly less in the second half of the season or certainly based on last year than he did in the first half and you know you, you just look at our fixtures we don't have a midweek game I think until the second week in March so you know if you're Matt O'Reilly for example I think he's a good example at the moment um, of a player that we know is very talented and is good enough to be a starter on this team but finds himself out the team at the moment if he finds himself with a 20-minute cameo at the end of a game, he needs to do something yes, with yeah, it. You know, yeah. Leo Labada, Haksabanovic, you could pick four or five guys, or, you know, Kobayashi. All these guys need to do something in that time. It's very difficult, um, especially as, you know, Samani was talking about St. Johnson game there. Never in doubt, I mean, the changes were made late on, the game had kind of not petered out, but, you know, St. Johnson were... Controlled. Got to make sure they're not getting a cuff in. It's not the same kind of open game. So I think it is difficult and it's difficult for those guys because then all it does is probably cement the idea that, you know, the first 11 that started that weekend there, unless there's an injury or unless there's, you know, a significant change of thought from Ange, it's, 
you can't see too many changes going into, I mean, fine, talk about the cup final. I, I don't see too many changes going into Saturday. I don't see many changes going into the Aberdeen game. So it will take, you know, something big, either in training consistently or in the limited game time these guys get to change the manager's mind. And that is a, it's a frustrating position to be in. And Matt O'Reilly is the example I use because he is good enough and he's shown he's good enough. Aramo is just an exceptional form at the moment. You'd be, a, it would be a bold choice going into a big game to not pick a player who's getting consecutive man of the match awards. Um, so yeah, as there's no correct answer to it, I think the onus is on the players though to come up with something, um, and that's the manager will be hoping that he does get that reaction from guys that come off the bench. So it's that small window um, of kind of time on the on when you're a sub. Um, what's your kind of thoughts on it, Chris? Just uh, to let you know in the room. I've- I was cutting chilies for dinner and I've got a bit of it in my eye. Oh no, you're right. Why I'm rubbing? I, I thought eye. I just I thought he, he was moved by my point. <laughs> the verge of tears. An odd point to cry at, but I'll accept it. It's beautiful, beautiful. Um, uh, the point that you, I, I think, I don't think game time's a problem. It's meaningful game time because I think you'll get the famous Ange sixty minute substitution. You know, you're going to get. Players coming on at that time, but the tempo, if we've won the game, is completely gone. It's different if you're bringing these guys on at this point to maybe turn games or try and do something different when the tempo's still up. But you, and you're talking about players coming on and making an impact and doing something, that becomes difficult if the team itself is kind of just in ticking over mode, which you can understand they're doing because there's always plenty of fixtures and you want to keep people fit. That is going to be a problem. Um... And I do agree, they are going to have to do something that kind of maybe stands them out a bit, but that is more difficult just in terms of... See, when you're you know swatting teams aside to an extent just now, it's difficult. If these guys were coming on with that length of time in tighter games, it would um, it would be a different story, but I'm not about here to sit here and say that I want us to you know not win games as comfortably so that we can bring players in. So it is difficult. Um, we are playing St Mirren. Um, on Saturday, it's the fifth round of the Scottish Cup. Um, it's obviously at home, um, so that's a big advantage for us. We played St Mirren uh, on, I think it was uh, the 18th of January. That's I'm picking that um, date out of my head, but it was around about the 18th of January. We beat them four 0 We they had a disallowed, disallowed goal. I think Curtin Smain scored, but you know it was VAR was terrific that night. Um, in regards to this game, Alan, what do you want to see from it? Um, you mentioned there that you don't think there's going to be a lot of changes. Um, give us your thoughts on what, how you feel going into this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think the the expression "swatting teams away" is fairly accurate. Um, we're not, you know, we're not landing the the six, seven, Christ, even nine nothings. Um, <laughs> you can actually at, say at that this, this season, <laughs> but we we do look comfortable and. It's it's a bizarre feeling because you go into it really confident and that in itself makes me nervous. I'm nervous that I'm not nervous. Yeah. I, that might not make any sense, but it might make some sort of sense to one person. But it, it, that kind of worries me because I'm I'm used to going into every game thinking, especially this time of the season, thinking, big away game. But at this point, I do feel comfortable in the team. Um, and I, I hope that, you know... It would be nice if we go through the rest of the season without any sort of adversity, but I kind of feel like there will be something somewhere. Obviously, we've got a big game in the 26, but it could be any point. So hopefully it's not this weekend. I, I just feel like we're playing really well. Mm. I feel like we're really comfortable. We, we look dominant on the ball. We look threatening going forward. We look largely unruffled defensively. I know we conceded a goal at the weekend, but I, I think you can kind of 
you can pick out where it's came from pretty easily. Um, I don't think it's a kind of issue with the team or, or the centre half. So, no, I'm. I'd, I'd like to be it's able an to issue s- with the goalkeeper. As a goalkeeper, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to be polite, um, but I, I, I'm quite confident, and I'd like to be able to say more and talk about that. I genuinely feel you pick largely that same team. Maybe a change, you know. And How I many changes do you think he'll he'll bring in? I, I, we have this. <laughs> I genuinely think at most it would be one. You've got one game a week. He values match fitness very highly. It's not a. This isn't Clyde at home or something. Like that. This is your. This yeah, is. This is. You say Premier League standard. Yeah. This is just not really much different from you know playing Aberdeen the following week, except you. This is a one-off. This is a big cup game, so it's huge. I think it will be if everyone's fit. I would would not be surprised if he names the exact same team as last weekend. Um, so I don't think there'll be the option. I don't think you'll see O from the start or anything like that. So um, yeah, I think it's more of the same. I think the half-five kickoff will be a bit of a novelty. I think that will be quite. I don't know how I feel about it. To be honest, um, I mean, well, you going for pints before? I don't think so. Which I mean, I might end up actually. I probably will. See that? Uh, I'll, I'll roll back on that. I'm, I'm, I have no plans at this stage, but I mean, it's half past five. What are you going to do all day? A half past five kickoff is amazing if you're going for pints before and after it. If not, it's rubbish. <laughs> and I'm not, it's so it's rubbish. I am, so it's terrific. terrific. <laughs> uh, looking forward to it. Well, do, normally, the half five game, we think semi final. The semi final, yeah. the five two game, which was yeah. and kind of similar. I know the commander one was literally a damp squib recently but half five Celtic Park at home with St Mirren so I don't, I don't know how I feel I'll, I'll let you know next week Chris in regards to the lineup, what would you like to see well what would you like to see what you, you think of season well, I'm going to predict one change uh, it's going to be O'Reilly for Moy and uh, in the faint hope that he does more changes because every time we've speculated on it we've got it spectacularly <laughs> wrong for the entire season I think the points that Alan makes is well made in terms of one game a week, consistency in the second half of the season in his team selection. So I think that'll play out. And again, St Mirren are a top-level team. Yeah, the only thing different from this than any other would be, game would be it's at Hall 5, really. Let me, let me ask you this. Would you... We, I, mean, I don't think he will. So I don't think it's a bit of a... He? Ange Postacoglu. Oh, Christ. He. Uh, he. <laughs> Is that disrespectful yeah. saying he? That's, I think so, aye. Um, it's a bit of a moo point, moi point. Didn't work. Nah, Move on. Really <laughs> um, do you think he would bring in a do? Do you think he'd bring if Seacrest was available? Because I know he's had a, an illness recently, but if he was available, do you think he would? I mean, this is a good ch- time. Well, to, off the back of the. No, no, no. This is a good time to, because he doesn't play. I mean, that's. No. If, you, if, you, if something did happen to Joe Hart, then Seacrest would come in with very little game time this season. Do you think this is a, that, that is an opportunity for him to play? He won't play him. I know. I, I know. It's, as I say, it is almost a, a moot point. But yeah, Haxabanovich played well against St. Mirren the last time. Maybe, maybe he'll get a start. It's the same uh, good clean sheet for Kobe. Kobe Ashi. Yeah. Um, I, you know, no, and and because for me, this is a it's a cup tie, but it's a it's against a Premier League team. Yeah. And any sort of deviation from that would be a signal from the manager that he doesn't take this competition as seriously as the Premier League. He's not going to do that. Yeah. So would it be an opportunity? I suppose you could say any game would be an opportunity to bring Seagrist in. He's not going to do that just because it's the Cup, I would say. Um, See, if you if you were Joe Hart and you were sitting uh, and it comes to the end of the season because he's, he's a year left after this and you were thinking, Ange basically says, we're looking to bring in a new number one. 
you would look at like Seacrest coming in and you'd be like, well, the number two just doesn't play. So you probably would use that as an indicator that if I'm, oh, yeah, I'm not going to be that number one, then I, I'll probably just move on. I think that point is valid when it's a clear hierarchy like that. And it is quite clearly in Ange feels that Joe Hart, I, I, I agree with Samani. I, I think no, I think yeah. Ben Seagrass could be 100% fit and I genuinely don't think he'd play the weekend. I'm worried now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think he just Is feels... his first like, name Ben? Benjamin. Benjamin. I never knew that. There you go. Or I did and I forgot. It's not important. He doesn't play. He's <laughs> <laughs> correcting himself. I know. Um, this seems like a, a discussion for your head. Sorry. I, I, I think Ange just thinks about it. Where is the value? Because the following week, I want to play Joe Hart, and he's going to be fitter, more sharper, and I think he's very aware of the balance between the five defenders, as opposed to making one change for one game so that he can say, "Look, I gave yeah. Seagrass time." I think, I think he's. It reminds me of the is it the Ryan McGowan story about sitting on the flight for twelve hours and Ange not saying a thing. Not saying anything, I yeah. genuinely don't think Ange would have a problem just playing the same goalkeeper every game all yeah. season. Um, and it, whereas we think about it, oh, you know, the number two is not getting a game time. Just thinking that flight, 12, 12 and a half hours, not saying a single word to somebody. I think it's the same principle. Um, <laughs> good principle. That's, can you imagine sitting beside somebody for 12 and a half hours? You would nervously say something at some point. I'd fold within seconds, make some daft joke. How does that correlate to Ben no Jimmy's secret talking about? Well, I, just, I, I just think genuinely it, it's one of those, he'll have no issue, and we think about it, and he would like to give game time. I don't think it occurs to him. I think he's just quite content. You know, he's, he doesn't feel the need to rotate or make a change. If he thinks somebody's better, then he'll just stick with it. And he doesn't feel the need to explain it, clarify it, do anything. I play my best player. That's it. So, Alan, you think if there is going to be a change, it will be O'Reilly coming in from Moy? That was Chris Amani said that. Sorry, Chris Amani said that. I said that, and uh, he's definitely not going to agree with that now that I've said that. I'll go Haxabanovich. I don't just pick players out of thin air. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> that is that's all you can do at the moment. I, I think, to be honest, I think if everybody's felt the same, Alan. Yeah, I mean, the Moyle O'Reilly debate was a bit more live a few weeks ago. I mean, if Moyle's quite clearly when O'Reilly's came in, you know, caveats with what we've just discussed about how hard it maybe is to come into mm-hmm. a team like that. Moyle is so clearly informed just now that the idea that. O'Reilly's going to come in on the basis of, you know, form, I suppose, essentially, it isn't for me. He might make that change, but and I suppose it's an easy one for him to do, but, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised again if it's the exact same team. Um, see, in regard to, obviously, you mentioned the Aberdeen game, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but Aberdeen game and then the cup final, is it a case of he will just play the same team with the occasional change, and then obviously the five subs when, you know, Hopefully we're... It's the same principle as Ange, sitting in a flight for two and a half hours. Chris, what's he talking about? No, I, I, I think, he's digging that, he's digging it. I think, um, yeah, I, th- I think you will see that same team. Um, but they can't, unless, maybe look, generally you get injuries and there's going to be, between now and the end of the season, there's going to be players in, players out. Hopefully it's nothing too severe and hopefully it's not to anyone key, but I, I see very limited opportunity to change. I think the, the areas you'll see it will be wingers, and I mean it would be fullbacks, but Ralston obviously with his injury and Bernabe being way off it. I think wingers and fullbacks are the area he does actually quite like to rotate. Yeah, I, th- I don't think he's happy with his left back replacement and Bernabe at the moment. He's not there, and Ralston's injured. So I think the scope for changes would be a wide player, and if O'Reilly steps up, then O'Reilly for Moy. Beyond that, I think the rest of them are entirely fixed. 
Yeah, it's, it's a really dull discussion, and I think most people would probably agree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on the weekend update, we've got a preview for the game at the weekend, a tactical breakdown and opposition scouting with uh, Christian Wolf, and we'll also speak to a St Mirren fan to get the St Mirren point of view. <sighs> They're usually cheering. <laughs> um, final kind of question before we finish up. Oh, I, I wanted to highlight the fact that Celtic and Rangers are the only clubs that VAR this weekend um, as well. I just, if you're going to do it, like go whole hog as opposed to just... Why? Uh, I, I agree. I, I don't know what difference it makes. All right, fine. Well, I'll just I'll go for it myself. Um, no, what difference does it make if one team has it and the other doesn't? Like, well, because then there's there's things that could happen the, in another game that's not going to get scrutinised by VAR, so they've got an advantage. Nah, I don't. I don't <laughs> to be honest, I don't see VAR as much an advantage. To be honest, no. That's what I'm um, saying the teams who don't have VAR have a bigger advantage. Also, why have they not got VAR? Because uh, money, cause Scottish Cup, and all that sort of teams. You don't, don't necessarily if it's uh, unless it's two Premier League teams. You it's up to the clubs to decide if they want to spring for it, basically. And Levy decided, I think, that they're playing Inverness, two. and the two clubs agreed that, given that there were about three hundred people there, that it wasn't worth the twenty-five grand or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm looking for some horror shoes, not picked up by VAR. Well, they wouldn't have been picked up by VAR anyway, but um, you know, aye, a couple. Of, Stick them in the portfolio. Uh, we'll finish on Liam's question. Um, he asks, should we obsess less about what players should be ideal for the system and more about what they bring to the team? I feel sometimes as fans, we always want that ball-playing centre-back or goalkeeper or dynamic number six or number eight, which should be ideal for Ange's style. But Ange has shown himself uh, he potentially values other qualities above system fit by his faith in guys such as Hart, Starfield and Moy. Is Ange maybe less bothered by system fit than we are? Interesting point. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, I think we talked about this last week. He's got an overall philosophy and style, but there is a flexibility within that. Because if he was too rigid, then it would just be daft because you you can't get total identical players to play in every position in the, the exact way that you want to play. And I, I do think we do that. We look at certain players... Excuse me, and say that they're not suited to his style, and that's maybe we not talked su- about Jack Marcus at the start. Yeah, you know, I suppose the one caveat that we've got is when players come in, they've to adapt mm-hmm. to what we have and what we're playing, but they then bring you know their overall qualities to the system. I think sometimes we're maybe guilty, um, not all the time, but we're maybe guilty of thinking, as you say, in, in terms of that system and what we need to bring, what they need to bring, as opposed to realizing that. When you're playing at this level, you're normally pretty good at football and you should probably be able to adapt to that style of play anyway. But, I mean, you know, sometimes you take it to the nth degree. You've got Carter Vickers and Starfelt, you know, a real solid partnership. Now, for me, a a guy like Christian Ayer, when he played for us in terms of his ability to bring the ball forward, was, you know, something that we miss and we've brought Kobayashi in and evidently he's very good in the ball and he's also left-footed. But the idea that right now that you would break up that partnership in terms of because technically he looks more suited to the style of play or the system is ridiculous because the qualities that these guys have and, t- and they do play in the style of the system and the ability they have means that, you know, you really need to prove your worth to get into the team. So I would agree with that. I think we shouldn't look at players immediately in terms of their suitability at the system. We should look at their overall quality and then their ability to adapt the way that the manager wants to play. Because what you need to remember, a guy like Moy, 
when he knew what he was getting and he knew that he could do what he wanted him to do. Um, whereas a lot of the time we were just focusing on the fact that really he's old, he's he's unfit and blah, blah, blah. So the manager does that. So I would probably tend to agree that you should maybe have less uh, of an eye on that, but, you know, not without coming dismiss, dismissing it altogether. Yeah, I think the thing is, though, like the areas that we want players to be brought in, like a ball-playing centre-half and a ball-playing goalkeeper are two examples of, they're thin on the ground, Alan. Like, you know, it's not, they're, they're, they're very well sought after. There's a reason there are a few of them about. What's your kind of take on it, Alan, overall? Yeah, I think when you, it's maybe not a good week to make the point, but if you're a coach like Pep Guardiola and you're working at the apex of the game and you have all the riches at your disposal, um, then you can build whatever team you want. And over time, you can buy a 60 million fullback and if you don't quite like something that you thought he had, you can move him out and just bring another one in. Ange isn't at that stage of his career where he can do that. He's very close and he's working at a you know elite level of the game, but he's not at the absolute top and he doesn't have a, a blank check. So he does have to be pragmatic. And I, I, I think last season particularly, I think he was more pragmatic than anyone um, gave him time for. We heard about when he came in, how rigid he was and how you had to stick to the system. But the point Samani makes is, is, is spot on that he'll work with any player as long as they do what he asks. Some players are capable of that. Some players are capable of doing that to a high standard and some aren't. But he'll work with them all and he'll use what, what he's got at his disposal and then he'll try and fine-tune we're at the fine tuning stage just now. He might not be able to get a ball key, ball playing goalkeeper who's really good at keeping the ball out the net and can come for crosses. So he might just need to. It might be Joe Hart. It might be someone else that he has to work with. But he work with it unless you are at the absolute apex of the game, like Jurgen Klopp's Pep Guardiola's. Yeah. You need to have some level of pragmatism, and I think Ange has shown that. I think Liam's question is probably right in that we do obsess over it, but that's because we want us to be at the apex of the game. Mm. We're not there. If Ange had that at his disposal and he had that blank check, I don't doubt that there would be four or five players in that team that he really looked at and thought, even if he had an extra 10, 15 million, you know, every year, he would look at it and think, I'll bring someone else in. But until you're at that stage, you just need to keep fine-tuning and we're very much in the fine-tuning stage. Uh, I mean, I've said this before numerous uh, times and it's exactly because of that in terms of where we are as a club financially in the market that, that we're shopping in there is a, a payoff between um, you know, certainly at the back I'm talking about the centre halves here and the goalkeeper there is a payoff between their fundamental job of stopping the ball going into the net and their ability to play football now the guys that we've got Joe Hart's He's not, not he's, the best example, is he? He's, he's, he's not so let's put Hart to one side because he's something he might want to replace Starfelt and Vickers, you know, by all means aren't world-class football players in terms of their ability to bring the ball forward, but they're not poor either. You know, they are able to contribute to the side. You know, McGregor certainly helps coming back and bringing the ball off and blah, blah, blah. We all, we know all this, right? But the, you don't want to then bring somebody in who's an exceptional football player. Um can the kind of defend for toffee, and, and that's and that is the payoff. And I like it, that as well. Like it. <laughs> it is the payoff, and, and and it's something that needs to be kept in mind all the time. Instead of obsessing about we need a goalkeeper that can play football, we need a, a, a centre half that can bring the ball forward, or you know, it, 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 it can play diagonal balls. Yes, that would improve the system tenfold. But if they can't defend, no, 
I mean, that's the thing, though. We might have that already with Kobayashi, but he's not going to, as you say, he's not just going to come in and say, oh, we've got him now, so boom, we're going to break up that partnership. And, you know? the, and that's... Yeah, and that, see if the manager starts to play him and, 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 and he breaks up that partnership. Well, that'll be the, based on what he's seen of him and the confidence that he has in him, or that he's prepared to take that risk to bring that element into the, the football team and the system. But he doesn't seem to have done that thus far, um, which suggests to me that he understands that that consistency and the fact that we don't concede very many goals, generally speaking, is something to be valued rather than obsessed over about, you know, the parts of the game that they don't have that you would like them to have. Absolutely. Um, this has been fantastic. Uh, we've got the game against St Mirren on a Saturday at 5.30. There'll be a reaction to that. Um, we also have a fantastic feature on Jimmy McGrory, which will be dropping on Sunday. Uh, the weekend update will be tomorrow as well. So if you are listening to the weekly and you haven't subscribed, uh, go to thecynic.co and you'll just get more information about it or you can email info at thecynic.co and we'll give you a little bit more background. But is, Christopher... Uh, is Brian McManus on the Jimmy McGrory podcast? He's not. Why? Because he's that old? Because he's probably seen him. Because he's on play. Um, we, shout, we shout out to Brian now. <laughs> Lovely. Let's, let's check if he's uh, listening. He'll, he'll love that show. Love that. Uh, Christopher Samani, it's been an absolute pleasure, sir, and we'll speak to you next week. Terrific, thank you. Uh, Alan Edgar, great as always. We'll speak to you next week as well. Thank you. Lovely stuff from Christopher Samani. From Alan, you're making a noise. You're ripping up the paper and you're making a noise. I'm just trying to shred my notes. <laughs> I don't trust that you shred them. I think you read them when, when I leave. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I read all your wee scribbles. Um, it's uh, we'd, We've actually compiled them from the start of the season and we're going to get a book published. <laughs> Ramblings of a madman. <laughs> Quickly though, um, can he defend for toffee? I absolutely love that. That's terrific. It, it is old school. You're that pattern, aren't uh, It's good though. From Chris O'Mahony, from Alan Edgar, from myself, Chris Gallagher, this has been The Cynic Weekly and we'll speak to you down the road. <laughs>